February 25, 2021. It's a lot for Pedro show.
Bob for Pedro Show. Happy Thursday. I think it was last Thursday of the month. Feb is 2021 is nearly gone. Uh, started show off with Just Friends. John Coltrane with Kenny Dorham. And uh, I was discussing this a little offline, people. But on the piano there is Mr. Cecil Taylor. Brother Cecil, you, you might not be known for doing bebop. You know, everybody comes from... You know, people's journeys from music that lead you to here all unique and that's why i have big reason to have guests on because i want to show that it's almost as you well it probably is as unique as thumbprints <laughs> and then uh after john coltrane bruce leicher with cedar and uh i have to tell you uh you know quentin quarantino mode so uh, brother matt love grotto pleasure point Couple miles south, but I'm not totally man alone, people, because of the engineering geniuses in Estonia with their Skype software. I got Brother Bruce Leitcher with me, and it's <laughs> glad uh, to be here, man. Yeah, thanks for, for being aboard. And it's somewhere you, you hearken uh, somewhere in Arizona, right? Well, actually, I'm in California again. I, I okay. spent 17 years in Sedona, Arizona. That's but, uh, my wife and I decided we we kind of missed California, so we came back. But we we landed in a very small town in the eastern Sierras called Bishop. Ah, oh, I've heard of Bishop. Yeah, that's where we've been for the last uh, 12, 13 years, actually. Oh shit! Well, you know what? They... <laughs> I know we need to talk more often. Yeah. <laughs> there was this great band up in the city called Black Humor. They had this tune where. One of the lines was, the only thing new is you finding out about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think the chorus was hippies in black leather jackets, but I just always remember that line because it's so fucking real. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So you're still kind of in, because uh, Sedona was kind of, I ain't going to say bleak, but not as urban as maybe Phoenix. Exactly. And, you know, actually Bishop is, is a lot smaller than Sedona. It's It's more remote as well. Um, we're kind of like halfway between Yosemite and Death Valley. So we got the mountains on one side and the deserts on the other. Right. It's a it's a great place. Right, and uh, that Death Valley that's some of the lowest spots on the planet. Exactly. As far as land, I mean, the ocean's got all kinds of deep shit. We'll get to fouling that up sooner or later. And you're right, Sedona's right off the I-17, so it, it's not really bumfuck. I mean, it's in the mountains, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you do the Flagstaff run, right? All, all exactly. Right? It's, that's part of the I-40 thing, which is the old Route 66 people. You want to go from Chi-Town to SoCal. Yeah. So, uh, look, I want to, uh, you know, your music journey. Like I was telling people that we all got unique ones. So let's talk about yours. And, and, and Bruce, please bring your earliest musical recollection. Well, I... The first music that I heard and got into was uh, Spike Jones. My dad had a bunch of Spike Jones 78s that I discovered when I was about eight or nine. And I just fell in love with the craziness of uh, what he was doing. And so the, actually the first records I ever had, um, you know, aside from like children's records that my parents bought, were some Spike Jones 78s. My dad found some at a estate sale in Pasadena. Um, and gave them to me and I was just thrilled. So, um, but as far as like really getting into to music, um, I missed the sixties. I, I didn't start listening to pop radio until 1970. 
So, um, you know, and I was listening to the, the, uh, I don't know, just the regular pop guitar stuff that was on KHJ at the time and uh, eventually just sort of evolved into to other music. But um, but it was fun for me to go back and kind of discover all the underground sounds from the 60s um, as I got older because there's a phenomenal amount of amazing music that was created then. So Yeah, less younger. Less younger. We got rid of the old word. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, everybody has to start somewhere and shit like that. And so you're saying uh, Pasadena? I remember Poobahs. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. And I used to go when I went, once I was in college and was starting to collect records. Yeah. I would go over to Poobahs and. Uh, no, why I brought that up was Pasadena. Did you grow up in Pasadena? No, I, um, my grandmother lived in Pasadena, so that's why my, my dad was there. I grew up in, in West L.A., um, right near the Santa Monica Airport, sort okay. of the, the upper, upper part of Mar Vista is where I grew up. Yeah, or north. Yeah. <laughs> it's not floating over the ground. They say that shit here in Pino, too. You know, above Gaffey. Yeah, right. <laughs> Get a tether line and hold it. So near, actually kind of near where Nels Klein, like some of these houses got tore up for the I-10 and shit. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, that could be. So now the reason uh, I mentioned Pasadena besides Poobahs was there's kind of a connect because what we call the Harbor Freeway, when you go past downtown, it becomes Cali 11 again, like in the old yeah. days. And yeah, so it's it's a real easy. You just go <laughs> take that road up there. It goes straight there from the Harbor to Pasadena, which was kind of the first place where big pads were built out of downtown L.A., right? That Arroyo... Uh, uh, Mr. Loomis and all those boosters, they built the first mansions. You can see that yeah. shit. Yeah. So, um, uh, well, I asked that because the pad you grew up in, I'm, I'm curious, was there musical instruments? There was a piano. My parents got a piano and, and thought that my brother and I should, should take piano lessons, and I hated it. Uh, my brother was pretty decent on it, but I just I couldn't get into it, and so I stopped. How long did you last? How about what? How long you last? Oh, oh, a couple of months, maybe. You don't know how common this is, Bruce, with guests on oh, talking yeah. about. And what was it? The usually it's a fucking teacher, right? Well, you know, actually, what it was is like having to 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 do a recital in front of strangers. I, that just I was so freaked out. Uh, sitting up there and trying to remember what I was supposed to play. And I think it was after that first recital, I was just like, I, I can't do this anymore. Well, remember, aren't you supposed to learn how to read? Because I know people cheat. Yeah, right. You know, they, yeah. they do remember, like we learned to do with rock and roll, right? You you remember songs, you don't chart them out. Oh, yeah. Okay, no, okay. And, and to be honest, I, I still, I don't read music. Um, and I play completely intuitively. I, I, for the most part, couldn't tell you what chords or notes I'm playing. I just, I find the ones I like and I play them. Um, and that's honestly how I've done music my entire life when I've, once I started creating my own sounds. Um, I think it's totally okay. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm okay. not worried. It just means I, I can't like, I get people sometimes coming up to me going, hey, let's jam sometime. I'm like, ah, I don't think that'll work, actually. <laughs> it might if they just start playing and, and don't force you into, like, trying to transcribe it, right? As long as they're not trying to do, like, blues riffs or something, you know, I, I'm okay. <laughs> okay. 
So is that, that's ah, so you're talking. I just can't relate, you know. Well, kind of an aesthetic thing then, maybe. Yeah. Okay, because okay, let, let, sorry to be, you know, knee deep in academia, but what about uh, grade school? Were you in the marching band or the choir or shit like that? Nothing in grade school, but actually in high school, I joined the kazoo band. At, <laughs> I was like, okay, here's an instrument I can play. I can I can do the kazoo. Um, Man, I don't, what, what what school was this? I don't know if a lot of schools got kazoo bands. <laughs> it actually, it was a it was a private uh, school in North Hollywood called Harvard, and um, Harvard. Small, <laughs> and it's now it was when I was there. It was an all boys school, and actually in the '60s and prior to that, it was a military academy. But it wasn't. It was just a private boys school when I went there. And it, it's now merged with a, a private girls' school called Westlake. So it's Harvard Westlake is what it is now. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, I did. They had a kazoo band, and I just thought, well, that'll be fun. I'll I'll do that. Yeah, yeah. Now, did they and it have... wasn't until college that I actually decided that I wanted to make music, and and uh, I started going to see punk shows in in Hollywood. Um, because I was taking a photography class at UCLA and I just decided to take photos of the bands. Um, I had another friend that was going to see shows. And so I started going when I still had shoulder length hair and was wearing like Pink Floyd t-shirts and stuff. like that. And I quickly got a, a, a lesson uh, from the punks in Hollywood that that wasn't, that wasn't necessarily uh, attired properly. So can, can we go uh, back a little before? Cause I want to know what was the first record you bought with your own money? <laughs> 1970. When I first started listening to KHJ, it was a Bobby Sherman single. Easy come, easy go. Yeah. He was huge. huh? He was, he wow. was and catchy. And, 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 and he was, on, I think television too, right? Like Pettigoat Junction or shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was on some, TV shows, I forget which ones. <laughs> but but okay, and what was the first gig you went and saw? So by the mid 70s, I'd become a huge Todd Rundgren fan. And I decided to go see him. At, he was going to be opening the gig for Frank Zappa at the forum for the New Year's Eve show. And I bought a ticket and I decided to go, you know, up in the nosebleed seats. And we get there and I find out that Todd Rundgren had to cancel. So I was kind of bummed. Um, but basically, it ended up being it was Dr. John, Captain Beefheart, and Frank Zappa. And that's the tour that Zappa <laughs> brought the Catman on board to help him out. And I think, so I think it was either Bongo Fury or Zuna Lord, some live album came out of that trip. It could be. Um, it's it was it was an interesting show. I, w I wasn't into the music as much as I had hoped to be because I was really looking oh, for Underground, but you know. Was it the captain with the magic band, or was he part of Frank Zappa's band? I think it was his own. He had his own band because. Oh, it was, okay, okay. Was then Reese, I'm wrong. Again, Watt is Reese wrong. Separate, separate performances. Yeah. You know, my pop would say, you know, that assume they didn't. That's no accident how that was spelled. <laughs> you make an ass yeah. out of you and me. <laughs> okay, okay. So big bummer that Tom Rung. You know who was playing bass for him. Um, uh, uh, Petra's uh, sister Rachel did some tours with him, and uh, and then uh, Kasim, uh, he had this guy in Utopia a long time. He was playing yeah. the Blue Oyster Cult when they, and they had me play a song with them in Beverly Hills. 
a few years ago. Wow. He lent me his bass, and he's such a great bass man. Oh my god! Yeah. Uh, look, I want to play uh, Tundra here. And time again I knew what I was doing and, and time and time again I just made things worse It seems you see the most of what is really true When you're stepping into your hers Only time can write a song that's really, really real The most a man can do is say the way it's playing field And no, he only knows as much as time to him reveal When I want to write a song that says it all at once Like time sublimely silences the wise I know that if I try I'm gonna take a fall at once And splatter there between my lies Only time can write a song that's really, really real The best a man can do is say the way it's playing feels And no, he only knows as much as time to him reveals
We are made of it, and if we give submission among our chances, there's a chance we can choose. And if we take it by uncertainty's permission, then then it's impossible to lose. Only time can write a song that's really, really real. The best a man can do is say the way his playing feels, and though he only knows as much as time to him reveals.
still. Empty out our pockets and disappear. Missing all our appointments and turning up unshaven years later. Still bound to find ourselves anew. Subway stall, waiting under the river. 
Voices trailing. Junk for sale. Junk for sale.
Watch for Pedro show. That chunk of music started off with Bruce Latcher doing Tundra. And then from the reissue, Richard Hell, not just reissued, he remixed. He found the fucking uh, master tape and remixed uh, Destiny Street. And here's time. Actually, this ain't from the album. This is a live thing. I think it's just maybe him and Bob Quine or Ivan Julian uh, singing it like that with no bass or drum. Uh, the Barry Burko band after that, uh, his uh, latest symphony, and uh, the second part, Greatness Concealed. I, I am, oh no, Immer, that's right, it ain't an acronym, I was enlightened to that fact. Uh, Juckman's Obrigado, or Obrigado, no, that's a thank you in Portuguese. Huh? Bomas Prenden from Oh No, and, and somehow Immer Cat. Mike is involved with uh, their archive. This is a band that's recorded thousands of songs in the last 40 years and only done five gigs. You know, why you got to do gigs, right, Bruce? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Hans Rotten after that with, oh, oh no is the name of that too. Hans Rotten from Switzerland with Drunken Goth Girl. Uh, Devil Hoof, which is Devin Hoff's practice uh, configuration because he's man alone. Alas Barracadas, and I should mention uh, Emma Goldman Bust Out Brigade albums coming out with me, him, and Joe Berardi on the drum. He played a Ampeg baby bass. Yeah, you know, Ampeg, the amplifier was the fucking, like, the bass for this bass or foundation, you know, the peg, Ampeg. Yeah, and he played one of those here, Peter at the Cassarns. I played Fender bass. That's my first union card said Fender bass, and I actually played my 56. And that Tony 19 from the Dills, I got to sign. Ava Mendoza with Verso 1. I got turned on to Ava by Devin Hoff. And finally, June song, even though it's still February, people. But I got to tell you, a couple days ago, it was 80 here in Pedro. So maybe June song is up here. Bruce Latcher. So to continue on, I want to catch up now to your, your Punk Days experiment experience because... Uh, this led to you making your own music, right? Because in high school and shit, you you didn't have a after school basement garage bedroom band of kazoo's, right? No, kind of wish I did, but but uh, how'd you get yeah, on the guitar? How'd you get on the guitar? How'd you make the big switch from kazoo to guitar? So uh, I started going to see bands at, at like the Whiskey and the Starwood, and and I managed to catch a few shows at the other Mask. I was I was too late to catch the original Mask, but uh, Santa Monica Boulevard. Santa Monica Boulevard, yeah. So lot, a lot of mud when it rained, right? That parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was going to see bands and taking pictures at a lot of the gigs, and 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 it still just felt like it was it was too much. I, I couldn't wrap my head around how to how to play that stuff but I, I just i knew i wanted to kind of be up there contributing and it was the no new york album that came out the no wave album that brian eno produced with uh mars and dna and teenage jesus and the jerks and and uh the contortions on it that something finally clicked in my brain listening to mars and dna especially it was like they just there was something about how they they broke the sounds down to these just simple repetitious things that were put together in interesting ways. And I was like, something clicked in my brain. I was like, I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> and so I decided to go buy a cheap guitar and amp. And uh, I didn't know the first thing of what to do with it. And so I signed up for some lessons and this guy started. What do you mean you know, signed up? How, how do you sign up? 
well, the place, the, the guitar shop where I bought it, they had, they offered lessons. And so it was like once a week I would go and sit in a room with, with a guy and he would teach me chords and notes and progressions. And so at least kind of just to get me to, to figure out, okay, put your finger here and you get this and put your, put these fingers like that and you get this chord, you know? And so I did that for about six weeks and I finally kind of got tired of learning Chuck Berry riffs. And I just decided, okay, I kind of, I know, I know now how to make sounds and noise with this thing. Like, so I quit the lessons and I just went home and, and started making weird, weird sounds in my bedroom with it. Just whatever I could do. And, um, you said the second mass, did you also go to the Hong Kong cafe? Oh yeah. Because yeah. DNA actually played there. I saw them there. I saw that they did a show later on that was in some place that was like South Crenshaw or something like that. I think the B people were on that, um, on that, uh, that gig as well. It was a later show. I don't think I saw the, the Hong Kong cafe one. Well, well, it was Tim, right? It wasn't the first one with the organ man. It was Tim right yeah. on the bass. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So you're making sounds. Are you recording them in the bedroom? No, I wasn't at that point. Um, basically, uh, then what happened is I, as I was still at UCLA and, um, and I ended up meeting up with the guys who, who had, they were friends of the urinals. Oh yeah, and, that's right. And um, they had a band called Neef. And so there was this gig at, at like a coffee house on campus the urinals and Neef were playing at the Kirkhoff coffee house. And I, I went to go see them play and it was basically, I mean, the guys in Neef were just a couple of guys that were in one of my classes and they were just, you could tell they didn't, they weren't trained musicians, but they were making a really interesting sound. And so afterwards I just asked them if I could join them at their next rehearsal. And they said, sure, come on, bring your guitar. So, I worked with them for about six months. That was the first. What um, about the first gig with Neve? The well, I I didn't play with. Actually, we did a we did one performance at on campus once where we really confused a lot of people. But, what, uh, but, but was that was that your first gig? Period. I guess I, I guess that would be. I mean, it wasn't a, a traditional gig, but we we did perform. Uh, for a camera that I think was then pro projected across the North campus at the, like the food court and things like that. So, but I call that a gig. Yeah, that's a gig. Okay. Cause you know, I, one of my regular questions is what's your first fucking gig? So you just, you beat me to it. Yeah. That's great. So these Neef cats, God, I don't remember them. Did they play yeah. around? No, very, very little. Um, I mean, there were a couple of gigs here and there. Basically, what happened was we we would get together like once a week in uh, some of the art studios on campus. And Brent Wilcox, who's the keyboard player in Neef, he worked at audiovisual services on campus. So he would just check out recording equipment and bring it to the rehearsals. And we just record our rehearsals, which were all improvised. It was all improvisations. And then he would go home and during the week he would edit out all the good parts and uh, and then we'd get together and listen to them and make up titles. And He'd edit out, but he got, just kept the shit? 
Yeah, yeah. So he he just he, kept the shit and got rid of the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, he kept the good stuff. Okay, then. So, yeah, it's my way. Look, like I gotta tell you, Bruce. We're at the end of the first hour, February 25, okay. 2021 edition. Why Peter? So special guest Bruce Lightyear. Hold tight for hour two. February 25, 2021, it's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show.
<laughs> okay, what well, from Peter Show, people. Start off the second hour with Bruce Leitcher doing Life Begets a Reprise. Yeah, some interesting commentary off air, but you missed it. Ben Salter after that from Tasmania with Anatomy. That's Greek in there. Uh, uh, and Lanterna with Bruce Leitcher. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah, okay. Leitcher. It's no, Leisher, I'm sorry, but what about Laterna? <laughs> Lanterna, yes. Okay. What fucks up both of them? Leisher and Laterna with B minor. Sounds like a key. But they're yeah. getting all like nomenclature on you there, these apparatchiks. Forcing <laughs> these kind of tonal structures on you. Okay, let's get back to uh UCLA world and your 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 beginnings of your self-expression and Ural's motivation, which was a big motivator for the Minutemen too, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I so so yeah. They had um, the urinals had put out their EP, their first EP, and were selling it in stores. And we just thought, oh, let's make a record. And so we took some of the uh, the best stuff that Brent had edited out and uh, put in put it together as a, as a single and we just thought, okay, we're all putting 40 bucks in here and we'll see how many records we get. I think we ended up with 163 records uh, for that $200 and we uh, Xeroxed off a, a cover and, and started selling them. And amazingly enough, 40 of them went over to a distributor in, in the Netherlands uh, through some connection. So, um, but yeah, that was so. That was like, oh wow, we made a record, cool. And then I just thought, well, I, I want to make another one. That was fun. So I was still in at UCLA, and I they had this um this course called an independent project course, which uh, basically was you get to design your own your own project, and you find a, an instructor who will be your advisor, and. Uh, and then you you spend the quarter creating that. And so my independent project was to make a record as as a piece of fine art. And that became uh, I released it as Project 197 um, because that was the course number. And I thought you know I didn't think I was going to do any more records. I just thought I just want to make a record. But I thought it, it needed a, a record label name. So um, I was trying to figure out what what do I call my record label that doesn't really exist. <laughs> I just thought, well, what is this? It's an independent project record, and um, let's just be honest about it. So that became the name of my record label, Independent Project Records. Yeah, and people, that's a big deal. It's not just start your own band, but start your own fucking label, <laughs> right? It's all yeah. about expression. You run, get, get a fanzine going. It was about a whole bunch of shit. It wasn't like some oh, kind yeah. of style of music with a certain beats per minute with a uniform that went with it. It was a new way of... Well, it wasn't new because Walt Whitman was doing his shit in 1855 when he put out his first edition of Leaves of Grass. It's called Do It Yourself. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just... It was exciting. I mean, I even got, like, Tower Records on Sunset, took some copies on consignment that I could walk into Tower Records and see my record in the rack and next to the urinals and, and the Neve record. <laughs> and it was just like, wow, this is cool. And then I gave a copy to Slash Magazine, not expecting anything, because I figured, well, this isn't really punk enough. But, man, I got an amazing review out of Claude Bessie, Kickboy well, Jason. Yeah, well, and, I will say that Slash... And ranking Jeffrey Pierce, and yeah, they wrote about all kinds of shit. 
One thing they didn't like was New Wave. (laughs) (laughs) I remember reading a a review of, I don't know if it was the second or the third album by The Jam, and and there was one or two songs that 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 Claude Bessie didn't like, and he's like, take a razor blade and just like slice off the grooves on track A4 and track B2, and you'll have a great mini album. Well, man, I didn't like any of that. In fact, I saw at Royce Hall that album, and he threw a fit, the singer, man, and pushed all his amps over. But that first record was good. A lot of those yeah. England bands, the first album's good, but then it's just regular rock, arena rock, wannabe shit. Like, I couldn't have. <laughs> Look, I want to play uh, um, Above the Rim, uh, uh, a project you had called Scenic. Yes, in the night.
Well, off for Pedro show. That chunk of music it started and ended with a '90s project, Bruce's, called "Saying It," and the first one was "Above the Rim." Then we heard a whole bunch of music. My buddy Nez, Irish buddy Nez, moved to Hokkaido in Japan, the North Cold Island. Well, it's cool in the summer. In fact, that's where you want to be. And he sent me a bunch of music from there. So this is it. The Hatch with uh, Vegeta and Family Stone. Uh, Not Sun Childs with We Know. Not Wonk with Spirit in the Sun. Uh, Zoe Sun Park, Teenage. Uh, Spartan Kicks with The Light of the Town Disappear. A Plop with 36. Unizu Bone from Desert. And finally, Scenic with Carry On to Cadiz. Okay, so uh, tell me something about scenic. I, I know, I know. Well, there's a big space in between your '90s music and this uh, era you're talking because we haven't even got to the Africa core. <laughs> so, I spent a good chunk of the '80s working on a band called Savage Republic, which started off being called Africa Core, and we changed the name just as we released our first album. But after Savage Republic ended in early 1989, I kind of took a break for a while, just worked on, on my record label and my printing business because that was really what was supporting me at the time. Doing, uh, I had set up a letterpress print shop and I was doing album jackets and single sleeves for my, my label, but also doing a lot of outside work. So that paid the bills. But I realized that by the like 92 that I really wanted to get back into making music again. And I, I had a couple of friends I wanted to work with James Brenner and Brock words. And, um, so we got together and started working on, on some songs that I had been playing around with. And, and I was taking photographs out in the East Mojave desert, uh, beautiful, stark landscapes, black and white panorama shots. And I, so I decided I wanted to make a, an album, um, of music for the East Mojave Desert. Not music for an imaginary film, but music for a place. And I used a lot of the photographs I was taking in the East Mojave to, in the packaging for the album. And so Carrying On to Cadiz um, is a track from that album, which uh, there's definitely some Ennio Morricone influence in there with the fuzz guitars and, and that sort of thing. And I was really excited that um, our mutual friend Stuart Sweezy used that track as the, the opening title sequence uh, for his Desolation Center film, which obviously is a, another place where you and I go back a long ways, Mike, is, you know, being on, on that first Mojave Exodus. That's right, the two school like buses. That. The two school buses. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the generator that didn't have enough juice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it was it was enough to play. Yeah, yeah. that's right. It was it was a success. It was made a, success. a lot of people really happy with that gig, and that was it was a highlight of my my experience playing music was doing that show with you. So, but then just ha having this music being being used um, in the in Stewart's documentary film about the desert shows and, and uh, that just kind of took everything to another level. That was, that was a very cool thing to see. So, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. So was Scenic a band that did gigs? Yes, we did gigs. Um, 
by that time I had moved to Sedona and the rest of the guys lived in LA. So we didn't do them that often, but I would come back to LA a couple times a year and we would rehearse and record and then do gigs. Um, most of the gigs were in, uh, in the LA area, although we did end up doing a few shows, uh, elsewhere, uh, here and there. So, you know, here's a little semantic thing. You know, I've yet to hear a basketball guy say, I'm going to go to the gym and rehearse some hoops. <laughs> I mean, is there really a lame thing about practicing music? <laughs> no, but maybe they are rehearsal. Because well, I know you used uh, films and stuff, right? Lights, and maybe you had to coordinate all that. Did you do those at the when you did, uh, got ready with the music? Well, you know... We, we only did that films and things a few times. Oh, um, okay. But uh, it was always something that we wanted to do more of. So Yeah, yeah. And, uh, we're at the end of the second hour. February 25, 2021. Dishwap Peter Show special guest, Bruce Leischer. Hold tight for our three. February 25, 2021. It's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro Show. <laughs>
Watch for Pedro Show start off the third hour with the Great Escape SR2. Then Crane and I guess I was part of this. This was some jam Crane had his folks pad up on the hill in 1987. Thankful friends is what he calls it. And I'm, I'm jamming with him, I guess. And uh, after that is a project Bruce Lasher's Exploratorium, the Pensatomon. The Penstemon Field. Penstemon Field. Yes, what? <laughs> we will get it together. We will get it together. Yes. <laughs> Penstemon Field. And by the way, what is a Penstemon Field? <laughs> so Penstemon is a flower. It's a type ah. of flower. And, and the interesting thing is, is that they usually don't grow in fields. But uh, <laughs> I, just, I just felt like that. that's what it felt like. Okay, okay. And, and what about this project, Exploratorium? So that, that was some solo um, recordings that I did at home um, in the late 90s, uh, recording just guitars and effects on a, uh, on a cassette four track. I just wanted to kind of, uh, something I was using to make demos on, and I just thought, well, I just want to record some stuff and see what I come up with. And I liked, uh, there were three pieces that I really liked from that whole experience. And so... A uh, number of years later, I had them kind of mixed and, and mastered and put out a limited edition CDR of that material. And so that was one of the tracks from that uh, that project. And then you light me off air. SR2 is your current thing. So the great yes. escape, yeah, this is a great escape. It's not a tribute to the mo claustrophobia and Charles Bronson on the little fucking card. <laughs> So yeah, SR2 is a project that I started with my wife, Karen, after uh, moving here to Bishop. Um, she saw me taking my guitar and amps and, and effects boxes to some local coffee house open mic nights just to kind of create some uh, experimental ambient sounds. And she thought, well, Bruce, you, should, you need somebody to play with, and so why don't you teach me rhythm guitar parts to some of your songs? And... and um, so the first song we worked on together, the two of us, was a version of the song Exodus from Africa Corps Savage Republic days. And uh, we'd sort of transposed the bass line to rhythm guitar, and she plays rhythm guitar. And then we just started working on other material, and we've got The Great Escape is one, one of the songs, the more upbeat songs that we've come up with. <laughs> you mean well, on, on purpose you're trying to be upbeat? <laughs> Yes, on purpose. <laughs> upbeat with no bass. So. <laughs> <laughs> no st stick man with a beat in his hand either. Well, yeah, we've uh, actually on on the Great Escape. We we have a, a drummer that we play with here locally sometimes, and and so we set up in the in the print shop here and and recorded one of our rehearsals. So that's what that song. Yeah, was because I was going to say. Uh, well, well, you never know what's a machine nowadays, but that's true. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Yeah. Look, we should play the people some Savage Republic. Uh, yeah, we you should. know, you, you know, it's was it ironic to have a, a song from Africa Court called Exodus? <laughs> well, I don't know. You okay, know. Okay. Okay. Here, let's play Year of Exile.
This is our last song. from Peter's show, uh, last chunk of music for this edition, Year of Exile from Savage Republic, then uh, Klinerman, which contains uh, Emmett Kelly, not the clown, but the musician people, well, an excerpt from Seven Piece, they call it rehearsal too, 
I guess Watson the minority. Africa Core, after that, when all else fails, this is live at the whiskey. Uh, so, right now, the current thing is SR2. Do you have other projects going? Yeah, you know, I've, I've done some solo recordings um, here since we moved to Bishop. And um, a number of years back, we bought a portable solar power unit. Um, it was basically like a couple little solar panels in a suitcase. And so I conceived of the idea of going out and, and doing some solar-powered recordings in kind of the middle of nowhere. So I started a, a series of recordings called Owens Valley Driving Music because Bishop is at the north end of the Owens Valley, which is where L.A. gets a lot of It steals water. all the water. <laughs> yeah. Watch Chinatown, people. They kind exactly. of allude to that. And, uh, yeah, you know, there's still, uh, every year, there's still issues with <clears throat> L.A. Department of Water and Power and, and the local people. and Because, I mean, it's like, a huge proportion of the land up here is owned by the, the city of Los Angeles, the L.A. Department of Water and Power. And so that's one of the reasons that Bishop is is still a very small town is that there just is no room to grow because the land all around it is owned by LADWP and they keep it vacant so that they can take the water. So it's a, it's an interesting situation. And, and this has something to do with you and your suitcase and your solar. Yeah. Yeah. So I started, I decided to, to create some, some tracks called Owens Valley driving music. And it's basically just going out and finding an interesting location and sitting down and setting up my solar power unit. And, and I have a little 12 track hard disc recorder and plugging my guitar into through the effects box directly into the recorder and just being inspired by the location and to come up with something. And so each piece is, is recorded in one day. It's conceived in one day. I don't go with any preconceived opinions about what I'm going to play. And I just lay, overlay layers of guitars and effects. And each piece is around 10 minutes long. So um, I've done one CDR release of two of those pieces. And there's one of those songs that, that Karen and I have kind of reworked for SR2. So we perform that one sometimes. Can I ask you about the strings on the guitar? Are they all B strings or shit like that? Well, it used to be uh, in Savage Republic. <laughs> so early on, um, when we were getting Africa Corps going, I got to see the first West Coast performance by Glenn Branca. Uh, Glenn Branca, all right. And it blew me away. Uh, I started hearing things that I couldn't see anybody playing. And so afterwards, I went up and talked to them, and I saw that they had some of their guitars had all the same strings, all tuned to the same note. You know, the, um, and I was just like, "All right, I'm doing that." So I went home and I bought all B strings, and I restrung my guitar with all B strings. And the next Africa Core rehearsal we did, uh, we ended up coming up with the song Exodus, um, and it, it was inspired by Glenn Branca and Faust, uh, the song Krautrock by Faust. On the ah, Faust but you know, album. with real Faust people, it's always, which album are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> we just sort of started jamming and, and out came this thing, which sounded also, it's funny, it, it, the theme almost sounded like the theme to the movie Exodus. That Yeah, yeah, Charlton Heston. And so 
so that's why we called it Exodus. But anyway, you know, it's, you know uh, I, I got to tell you, I, I know what you mean. That that fucking it got me too. Glenn Branker's music, and in fact, I got to be part of uh, Symphony Thirteen, Hallucination City. Awesome. There were sixty-four guitars and uh, twenty basses and one drummer. You know where I sat, right next to the drummer. Yeah. <laughs> oh that's man, cool. that's that's beautiful. So. Uh, uh, not really. The only ensemble stuff you do is the duet with your wife, Karen. Yeah, pretty much at this point. Um, uh, well, yeah. what about this current situation? Have you, uh, if you ever, oh, all right, oh, not just this situation, but have you used the internet for trading files? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I, I haven't done too much of that. I need to get, um, get some more some better recording equipment on my computer so that I can do that. But yeah, I've actually, I've been talking to, uh, to a few people about trading files back and forth and working on music together that way. I just keep myself way too busy with other stuff. Yeah. I, I was just curious because it's one way uh, to keep music going. Cause you know, everybody Definitely. bums out on all this uh, Quentin Quarantino mode, but I, man, I've made albums with people I haven't even met. <laughs> Yeah. doing it this way you know any anyway right uh where can people find you on the internet bruce so one of the things that um that has come about in the last year is a relaunch of my record label independent project records uh taken on a, a new partner uh jeffrey clark he was the singer in a late 80s la band called shiva burlesque sure and um I've also worked with him on releasing some of his uh, solo recordings in the 90s. So he and I are now uh, partners in uh, a relaunch of Independent Project Records. Um, and our focus is going to be on uh, mostly reissues, but like expanded archival releases. Uh, but we will uh, release some, some new things. Um, you know, as it, as it seems appropriate, and we've got something good that's worth working on. But we have a lot of projects right now that we're reissuing. We'll be reissuing some scenic and Savage Republic music and uh, getting some previously unreleased recordings out. Um, and so, you know, a large part of the last year has just been working towards getting this relaunch of the label happening. And it's really exciting. We've got a lot of very cool music that's going to be uh, made available. So, okay, I'm going to ask you again. Where can I find you? <laughs> yeah, I know. I got stuck in it. Okay. No, that's here. good shit. I wanted to know about that anyway. It's okay. So, uh, yeah, the social media, independent project records on on all the social main social media but things. But is, is there uh, a website? Is there an independent project website? There is an independent project records website. Yes, we are still in the process of getting that set up, but definitely independentprojectrecords.com. Yeah. You can also go to independentprojectpress.com, which is my uh, printing business, and there's a lot of cool information there and links to, to some other things. Okay. So, really good. Um, really good. Really good because yeah, those other telephone poles you can staple up flyers, but to have your own place where there's no filter, you know, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's just really important, I think. And, 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 and this, I love this idea of you recording yourself, making music, which is actually the tradition you started when you got into this. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Some things don't uh, get obsolete, huh? Or, or <laughs> at least on the ethic level. 
Right. Yeah. There's, there's something really special about playing with other people. You can't. Yeah, of you course. Can't, you can't. Uh, you just never know where you where it's going to go, and that's what, what, uh, what I meant was like you don't go to a record company. Yeah, I mean, you can be in an ensemble, but it's still those creative people that are in charge of the. Yeah. The canonization, <laughs> the documentation. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Bruce, it's been a huge honor to have you aboard, truly. Hey, And pleasure. when you get this new shit out with the new relaunch, come back on the show. Let's talk about it, please. That'd be great. Yeah, I'd love to do that. When we have some, some releases out, we can share some of what we've absolute, been working Absolutely, absolutely. People, it's been the February 25, 2021 edition. Peter, I shall keep your powder dry. <laughs>